0: Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Ridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Psalms 43 and verse number 4. We're going to read one verse. When you get there, say amen. Amen. All right. Look what it says. Then I will go to the what, everybody? Altar. To the altar, the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with a lair, O oh God, my God. Would you do me a favor now? Would you just hold your hands out like this? You say, Pastor, why do you want us to hold our hands out? Do you know what? Scientifically proven that when you hold your palms up, you are more calm than any other time. Try it. When you're, in a, when you're in a tense situation, just try to put your palms up. It's amazing. You become more calm and more honest and more truthful. So why not do it before God? Amen? Amen. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, Dear God I'm, here today. I'm here today. I open my mind, open my mind and, my and my heart. Speak Holy Spirit, Speak Holy Spirit. in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Today we're beginning a new series called Pray First. I want to tell you some life changes that happened in my life. One of those was is that when I was 15 years old, I remember coming to church, and that night I will never forget it. Because that was a night that I walked down the aisle of a church and knelt at the front of the church, which we call the altar. And as I knelt at that altar, God altered my life, He changed my life. Also, in that same church, a few years later, I would walk down the aisle of that church and stand at that altar, and I would turn my face back toward the back door and would watch my bride walk down that aisle and come down to that altar and there at that altar my life was altered <laughs> <laughs> i mean altered changed forever it was there at that same church that i remember bowing at the altar and accepting god's call on my life to be a pastor, to be a preacher. It's, what I'm trying to tell you is that at the altar, God alters. Let's just say it the back, backwards. As a matter of fact, you, it's coming up on the screen. You say it with me. It's coming up. God alters at the altar. That means He brings change. Let me just tell you, if you're new with us, I strive very hard every week to try to break the sermon down to as few words as possible. And so I could not get it any I could not get any less words than five words this week. And so that's, our, that's what we want to say. is they're going to put it back up on the screen, and we're going to say those five words again together. You ready? Here we go? Let's say them. "God alters at the altar." Let's say it again. God alters at the altar. He changes things at the altar. He changes things at the altar. So today I want to talk to you about going to the altar. I'm going to attempt to share three stories out of the Bible about the altar. And my, I'll tell you, my goal in this is that by the time we get done, that you will always want to go to the altar. That's that's my chance, that you will always want to go. I'm not just talking about this in front of the church. I'm talking about making an altar. You understand as we get started. So let's write down the first thing. Going to the altar. Number one is place yourself on the altar. It's so important. Now, I'm going to give you this first story in the Bible. Let me tell you what's happening here. Before I give you the verse, is that King David, remember David and Goliath, Well, David grew up, he became king of Israel, and that he was about to die. And one of his sons, by the name of Adonijah, was telling everybody that he's going to be the next king. And David had not said that. And so David appointed his son Solomon king. And when he did, when, when he appointed Solomon king, all of a sudden Adonai, Adonijah decided that, hey, he's going to kill me because that's what would happen. And so this is what he did. Look what the Bible says he did. It says that, but Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the what, everybody? Altar. Altar. He threw himself at the sanctuary of God. He ran in there and he held on to the altar and he was crying for mercy. Now, Let me show you a picture of an Old Testament altar is that you see that stone altar there and it has those four corners on it that are going up. Those are called the horns of the altar and it was used to hold the sacrifice on the altar. And so the sanctuary was a place where people could go and grab hold of the horns of the altar and plead for mercy. And let me just tell you something. He received that mercy. And what I want to tell you today is this is that as we talk about this, God always responds actively to altar activity. Let me say it again God responds actively, it means He does something at altar activity. Yes. So you should always want to go to the altar because God responds. Amen? The altar is a place where the divine meets the humanity. The human and the spiritual meet. God meets human beings at the altar, at that place of prayer, when we intersect with God. Now, there's another verse I want to share with you here in Hebrews, Hebrews 13 and 10. And it simply says this. It says, we have in what, everybody? An altar for which which the priest in the tabernacle have no right to eat from. And what he was referring to here is that he was referring to Jesus dying on the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, no longer did we have to bring animal sacrifice to an altar like that, but Jesus himself became the sacrifice on the altar of the cross. Amen, everybody? Just like you had the horns of the altar where they would tie, tie those animals, Jesus' hands was nailed to the cross. His feet were nailed to the cross. Amen, everybody? And he became our sacrifice. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed amen everybody he became our sacrifice and so now so now instead of us going to the altar, instead of us going to an old-fashioned altar like that now we can have an altar anywhere we bow amen and we call ourselves you'll hear many people say you got to bow at the foot of the cross and what we're saying is this is that jesus became our sacrifice and so when we bow we're bowing before him now talking about the cross Jesus said this. Look what Jesus said in, John, in Luke 9 and 23. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my what, everybody? disciple. That means follower. Must what? Deny themselves and take up their what? Cross. When? Daily. Uh-oh. Take up their cross daily and follow me. That's why we say, you know, at SEC, we want to become Christ followers. Yes. Now, let me explain to you why he said that. Because in their day, it was the day of the Romans. The Romans ruled that, that era. Matter of fact, Jesus died on a Roman cross. Okay, everybody? So it, it, it was the Romans who actually would come in and when someone had committed a crime, a hideous crime, what they were saying was, I'm going I'm to live by my own rules, even though I'm in your country, I'm going to live by my own rules, my own way, and I'm going to defy the Roman government. And so when they would get caught in those crimes, And the penalty would come that they would die. They would make them carry their cross. Sort of like this picture here. Someone's carrying a cross. So they're they're carrying their cross to the place they're going to die. Why did they make them do that? The reason that Romans made them carry the cross was they were saying that cross represents you submitting to Roman government. You said you were going to have your way, you want to do it your way, but we're showing you that no, you are going to submit yourself to Roman government. So that person carrying the cross say, I'm admitting that I'm submitting to the Roman government, that they have power over me. And so what Jesus was saying is this, watch, here it comes, <laughs> here it comes. Jesus was saying that every follower of his must make a decision every day not to be forced to carry a cross, but choose to carry his cross. In other words, I'm submitting myself under the authority of heaven. That it's not my way, it's God's way. It's not my will, it's God's will. So every day a Christ follower must make a decision that every day I get up that I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you. Because I'm not going to have my way, I'm going to have your way, God. Amen, everybody? Oh, I'm getting there. Hold on. I'm trying to stay calm. (laughs) Help me, Holy Spirit. One of the things that keeps me from taking up my cross and probably going to keep you from taking up your cross is called pride. Pride says I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) Pride says it's my way. Have it your way before Burger King ever thought about it. Pride was screaming it. Amen everybody some people have to google that but uh (laughs) It's pride and you know I'm asking God to reveal my pride often because I have a lot of it This guy got to get out of me and listen pride becomes comes before fall everybody That's why it's good to have it out of your life. It'll take you down (laughs) so what I want so I've been asking God, reveal my pride, Lord. Help me reveal it until I can repent of it and not live by it. And one of the things that God revealed to me this week, it might not be your problem, but he revealed it as my problem, is that my pride makes me magnify your your faults and it makes me minimize my faults. Let me say that again. My pride makes me see everything that you do wrong. And my pride blinds me from the things I do wrong. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm talking to you <laughs> Every one of you online too, I'm talking to you Because that's what pride does And so if you want a better relationship, you've got to get the pride out <laughs> Because if you don't, you'll be wearing those glasses all the time That magnifies everybody else's faults And minimizes your faults The world changes when you change not when you try to change everybody else. Okay, that's not the message today. Look at what Acts 3 and 19 says. Here it is. What's, what's that first word, everybody? Repent. Repent. <laughs> Repent. Some of us think that's a bad word because we see people screaming at us on the corner sometimes. Repent, turn or burn, lie, you fry. <laughs> Mm-mm. Repent then, and what, everybody? What are we to do? Turn to God. God So that your sins may be wiped out. Now, that's, that's what you have to understand about repentance. Repentance is a positive word. It's not a negative word. If sin is this way and God is this way, what repentance is, is why if I'm walking towards sin, in sin, doing what I should not be doing, all of a sudden I say, God help me, forgive me, oh Lord, I confess and then I repent. Repent is my action. Confession is just my words, but repentance is my action. See, you can confess all day long, oh God, I'm so sorry, and still keep walking right into it. Good. God Almighty, help me, Lord Jesus, with power. So... When you repent, you turn. And when you turn, guess what? Your back is to sin and your face is toward God. That's repentance. So here's what I want you to know. Either you're going to every like every day, every day, your pastor repents every day. Every day. I like go on my knees, "God, forgive me. I repent of my pride." Every day. You know why? Because repentance keeps me turning. Because I don't know about you, I have sins that want to pull me back. Let me just tell every one of you, those sins that pull at you are going to pull at you until the day you leave this earth. And so I understand that they're right there always pulling at me, and the only way I can keep from living in sin and going that way is repenting and keep making a choice to turn back to God. Amen, everybody? And that's repentance, and that's why you should do it every day. Matter of fact, I don't just do it one time, but they had to do it many times a day. But one time I get on my knees and say, God, please help me because I'll go back to that. Yes. And the only thing that will keep you in your walk with Christ is repentance, daily repentance. Amen, everybody. Are you tracking with me? Yes. So it's not negative. It's positive. So either I'm going to either. I'm gonna, you know, when I when I turn toward God, I'm turning from sin. And when I turn towards sin, I'm turning from God. Right. So you got to decide which way you're going to turn. Because you're going to turn one way or the other. And so repentance keeps me going back, turning to God. You're welcome. (laughs) So today, that's why we talk about the prayer to become a Christ follower. It's not just believing in Jesus because the devil believes in him. But what makes the devil the devil is he refuses to follow him. And what's going to make you, what's going to make your year extraordinary this year is that you're going to choose to follow him in everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, in your sex life, in your work life, in your school life, and everything. No, we're not separate. No, we're following Jesus. Yeah. Amen, everybody? Yeah. Let's, get it, let's get down to where we live at. We're going to follow Jesus so right now, before I go any further, there's some of you in this room and those of you that are watching online that you're not following. (laughs) I believe in him. Yes, you do. But you're not following. And your life never changes as long as you just say, oh, well, I believe he lived. It won't change. But when you begin to follow, take up your cross and follow, that's when change happens. And that's the life that you're looking for that you can't get at a distance. Help me, Holy Spirit. You can't get it just by saying, oh, I want that, I want that. No, you've got you to take up that cross. So right now, we're going to pray a prayer called the prayer to become a Christ follower. And if you want to become a Christ follower this year, and you want to follow Jesus, and just watch what he does in your life, then I want you to say this prayer with me. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody in the room and everybody online to say it together with me. And when you say this prayer... I'm going to ask you right now just to say it out loud with me, okay? You ready? Would you just bow your heads and say it with me, everybody? Dear God, God, thank you you for sending Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. life. Forgive me. me. Save me. me. Help me to do your will. will. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, for for forgiving me and saving me. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand for all the people that just prayed that prayer? Hallelujah. I'm bubbling on the inside right now. I'm just trying to keep it down. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just do me a favor? Would you check it on the back of this card? If you prayed today and you you want to become a Christ follower, I want to send you something in the mail that's going to help you on your spiritual journey. I love you and I want to help you. I want to help you. This, that's your first step. The second step is what I would challenge you is the step of obedience is being baptized. Don't you, go on, don't you try to go twenty twenty four without being baptized. You say, Pastor, I was baptized when I was a teenager. Yeah, you were, but you didn't live it. <laughs> Amen, everybody? Yeah. So why don't we just do it again? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> okay, that's up to you, but it's, it's there. Check it out. Okay, remember our five words that we're saying. Does everybody remember those words? What are they? God alters out the altar. Now watch this. Look at this next picture I want to show you. See this picture? See that old chair right there? Do you see that the pleather is coming off of that chair? That's my altar. Every morning, I kneel down, and I put my elbows in that chair, and I put my face to the the seat of the chair, but my little, little ball head rubs the top of that chair. rubs it right there. And it's, rubbed all, it's rubbing the pleather off. And Rhonda's embarrassed in my chair. She, it's upstairs in my office up in, our, in my house. And she don't want anybody to see that chair because it's, you know, it's all coming to pieces. And I should get me a new one. I can afford a new one. But there's something special about that chair. And so I've made me an altar. And what I want to challenge you to do is I want you to create a place in your house that can be your altar. It can be the foot of your bed, but somewhere you need an altar. And let me just say something. You young mothers, God bless your hearts. You don't have any time at all. I know them kids are just, they're at you all the time. So why don't you just go, and you may have to, you may have to go to extremes. And you know what that is? Is that, no, you might have to go to the bathroom, close the door, and lock it, and make the toilet an altar. Close the lid all the way. Keep it clean. Because you, I'm serious, you you got you to get drastic about because them kids going to be beating on the door. <laughs> you got to find you a place somewhere to kneel. Amen, everybody? Amen. I want you to do that. So on this connection card, I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you this week. On this card it says this. The next step says, I will create a place of prayer. Please create a place of prayer. Because God alters at the altar. Not just this altar, but at your altar. And that's where he makes changes. So you need to find you one, create you one. I don't care where it is, wherever. It might be in a closet, bathroom, wherever, do it. But it is not driving your car. Some of you people say, Well, I do all my praying while I drive, but yeah, if you ride with me, you're gonna pray. No, 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 no. You're distracted. Don't you think God deserves a few minutes of your uninterrupted time? And that's what the altar is all about. Okay, now I gotta hurry up. Number two, take your enemies to the altar. Oh, I gotta set it up for you. There's something that happened in the Bible. It's a guy by the name of Elijah who was God's prophet. But a new king had taken over, and he and his wife did not want to worship God. They wanted to worship an idol by the name of Baal. They set up all these altars to worship Baal. And they said that Baal is a god of wind and fire, of nature and all this stuff, and he's the one. And what's crazy is, and what's amazing to me, how easy people are swayed by false doctrine, false teaching. And so, all of a sudden, guess what? All the people of God began to, because everybody else started doing it, (laughs) everybody else said it's okay, then they just started believing that, that Baal, they would begin to worship at the altar of Baal. And guess what? All those prophets hated Elijah, so they were trying to kill him. The king wanted him dead. The prophets of Baal wanted him dead. And so finally, God told Elijah, said, just have them come and meet at the altar. So Elijah created an altar, and he created space, and he had had like he said, okay, all of y'all come and meet me on Mount Carmel. When you do, when you get there, we're going to say the God who answers by fire will be the God. And so he, he invited all those prophets of Baal, said, you go first. And you, you call on Baal, and let Baal consume this sacrifice on the altar. Altar, and when he does, if he does, I'll bow down and worship him. And so they began to chant, hey, 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 hey. They did all these things, cut their cells, they did everything. Till Elijah said, Well, maybe your God's asleep. He can't hear you. You already talk a little louder. (laughs) Nothing happened. So finally, after nothing happened, he said, Listen, sit down. And this is what happened. Look what the Bible says right here. Here we go. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come to me, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the what, everybody? He'd repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been what? Let me ask you something. Who tore your altar down? Do you even have one? You've got to have an altar. Elijah took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes, descending from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built on what, everybody? In the name of the Lord, and he dug trenches around the large enough to hold two seats of seed. And at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward, and he what? Everybody, Pray. he prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you are Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned the sacrifice, the wood and the stone and the soils, and all licked up the water in the trenches. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. What do they cry, everybody? The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that God alters at the altar. Let me, here's what I want you to know. When your enemies are coming at you, It's not them, it's the spirit behind them. Amen, everybody? It's a spiritual battle. The Bible tells us that our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, that that we have this great power, but our enemy's not flesh and blood, so we can't fight it like the way the world fights. And so, listen, understand that there's a spirit behind that person, and the best place if you want to win the battle is not face-to-face, cussing them out, threatening them, but the best place to win it is you take them to your altar, and you place your enemy on your altar, and you get on your knees before God, and you ask God to begin to move. Why? Because the fire fell. Watch, watch this, everybody. The fire always represents the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can go where you cannot go, and he can do what you cannot do. He can go right to where they're sleeping at night and keep them awake all night because they can't bother you. You're a child of God. He can go into that boss's office and change his heart. He can go to that teacher's office and change your heart. God can do what you cannot do, and we have to trust the Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do. Our fight is a good fight of faith, everybody, and the battle that we fight is not with our hands, but it's on our knees. Amen, everybody. Good God Almighty. Hallelujah to your name, God. I praise you. Woo! That's why I'm asking you, as we start 2024 off, to make a sacrifice of prayer. Amen. Give me an amen, everybody. That's why I want you to be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Now give me an old me. (laughs) We're going to be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow on our knees. My altar is going to be right there in front of one of those chairs for the next 21 days. I want to invite you to come. It's a sacrifice. God blesses obedience and sacrifice. And I know you're going to give up some sleep. And listen... Young moms, I know that you can't come at that time of the morning. You can't leave your kids by yourself. But get get daddy out of the bed. Let him come for you. Amen. Okay, some of you are. Yeah, that's right. But we'll be on Facebook at 6 a.m. You can join us there. Come and pray. Listen, that doesn't mean that we're going to pray all day, everybody. We're going to be here from 6 to 7, but you can stay as long as you want to. If you can only stay 15 minutes, you can only stay 15 minutes. But come and pray and watch what God will do. Amen. Also, during this time, we're going to be fasting. Hold on now. When I say fasting, I know that normally we are talking about food, but this year I want to talk to you about something else. God has laid on my heart for my family, and I'm encouraging our staff, and I want to encourage you. We're not fasting food this time, we're fasting screen time. Because many times when I'm fasting food, I'm just talking about what I'm not eating. You know, I spend more time concentrating on what I'm not eating and I stay busy so I don't get hungry and I just forget about God. It doesn't help me. But I'm asking you to fast screen time for 12 hours. So for my house, what does that look like? From 7 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. No TV, no computers, no face and phone. And what we're going to do is we're going to grow together as a family. And all this, you know, the first night you're going to kill each other because you don't know what to do here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to read the Bible. I want, to, I want to challenge you to read through the book of John. It's 21 chapters for 21 days. And just read. You know, and a chapter in the Bible only takes you about five minutes to read. It's only one page or two. So it's not like chapters, you know, like reading a book. I want to challenge you. do want you read it with your family. Why don't you, listen, when you power down, you'll power up. oh, we need change in our home. Well, what are you, do, are you willing to do to get change? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Why don't you try God's way? And I understand, you know, right after I made that decree there's 7 o'clock at night, to 7 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden the national championships happen tomorrow night. <laughs> so I guess that means that I'm going to get up and have to, when I turn my phone on, figure out who won the game. I'm challenging you. See, I'm calling you up this year. No more mamby-pamby. I'm calling you up. Amen, everybody? Amen. Don't forget to, to read the Bible. Help us here with reading the Bible as well. And again, you sign up for it. They'll give you a couple of chapters to read. Again, they're only small. Like, it takes 15 minutes to do it. We're going to read the Bible through on our campus. Okay, remember we are saying, everybody? God alters at the altar. God alters at the altar. Let's say it again. God alters at the altar. So you got to build an altar, create an altar. All right, number three is this, is place your idols on the altar. You say, I don't have one. Oh, let's just see. Let's just see. i got to set it up for you. This story is about Abraham and Isaac. Remember, you may not know this, but Abraham was a man that God said, I'm going to give you a son. You and your wife Sarah's son, and they never had any children. And he kept promising them. You know, he started promising what he was like in their 40s and 50s. It didn't happen. 60s and 70s didn't happen. 80, it didn't happen. And all of a sudden, in the late 90s, right, 100 years old, God gave Abraham and Sarah a child. All of a sudden, he became grandfather and father all in the same day. (laughs) 100 years old, you're like grandparent, right? That's it. But what happened was this, is that God said to him, Abraham I want you to take that son Isaac who's now about 12 years old I want you to take him up on Mount Moriah there, and I want you to sacrifice him to me and Abraham's like what you talking about God? And God said no, that's what I want you to do And so we're gonna pick up the story here And I want you to hang with me because this is so so powerful look what happens here when they reached the place God had told him about Abraham built a what, everybody? Altar. Built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and what? What did he do, everybody? He laid, him on the altar. he laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Here we go. Watch this. Because Abraham and Sarah had Isaac at such an old age, they treated I mean, he's special. Everybody in the whole village, whole town knew that he was special because he was conceived at such an old age. And so Abraham and I'm sure Sarah began to coddle Isaac. Oh, we got to make sure that Isaac has everything just right. And they would lay awake at night worrying about Isaac. Oh, I hope he's going to be okay. And everything was about Isaac, 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 Isaac. Could it be that Abraham put Isaac in front of God? Anything that you put before God is an idol. Could it be that God saw that Noah, he could not fulfill the promise that he promised Abraham until Abraham had to get rid of the idol? And so he had to reprioritize his life. So he had him bring him up and put him on the altar. And he laid his idol, Isaac, on the altar. When he laid him on the altar... All of a sudden, what happened was is that Abraham said, I will not allow Isaac to come before God. And so when he took the knife out, now Isaac's 12 years old, tied up in ropes and laying on wood saying, Daddy, what are you doing? And when his daddy reached to his, to his belt and pulled out his knife, all of a sudden, Isaac's really got a lot of saying going on. Daddy, daddy, what are you, whoa, daddy, 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 daddy. And I'm sure Abraham's weeping and crying. And when he pulls back his hand, God speaks. And God says to Abraham, don't you touch that boy. Don't you harm him. And let me tell you something. Two things happened there. Is that Abraham placed Isaac on the altar that day and never again would he get in front of God again. He laid his idol on the altar. But also God did something in Isaac. Isaac for the first time heard the voice of God He would need to know the voice of God because he would Isaac himself would build altars of God and need to hear God And he learned to hear the voice of God on that altar Let me tell you something some of your children are never going to hear the voice of God until you put them on the altar As long as you are their God and you meet all their needs and you take care of everything they got They're never gonna get to know God until you quit playing God. They're never gonna know God And Some of you we have to put them on the altar Not just your children, but anything else that you're putting before God you got to put them on the altar Isaac learned that day the voice of God, but he learned something else too the provision of God because what Isaac and Abraham couldn't see God already had a plan while they were walking up one side of that mountain coming up for the sacrifice God had something else coming up the other side of the mountain when God told Abraham said don't you hurt that boy don't you don't you hurt him said there is a lamb in the thicket that you are the sacrifice, not the child. And so what I want you to know is when they were walking up this side of the mountain, God had a a ram over here walking up the other side. What I'm trying to tell you today is when you go to your altar and you begin to pray, when you lay everything on the altar and you begin to ask God, help me, I want you to know you may not see it now. You don't have a clue what's happening, but God is already working on your answer. Amen? It's coming up the other side of the mountain. And you're not by yourself you're a child of God and God Almighty is with you and God's got an answer to your prayer and it's on its way amen everybody God is the provider he's the provider Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh the Lord our provider what you gonna name your altar you gotta name your altar I want to give you something to do. You got these cards that we have in your program. It says, I'm placing, and there's blanks, and there's on the altar. Today, I'm going to give you a chance to write. Don't put your name on them because we're going to be praying over them at 6 a.m. I want you to write down what you need to put on the altar today. What's worrying you? What's got you? What's become your idol? What is it? Your enemies or yourself? some of you it's going to be your fear and worry because you're consumed with it and it's become an idol it's before God what is it? I want you to write it down I'm going to write mine down and I'm going to give you some instructions okay There's always an exchange that happens at the altar. When we give God something, then God gives us something. And today, that's what I want to do for you. Right here on this stage, is a bunch of wristbands up here, and I got one on. And it says, you first, Holy Spirit. (laughs) We're going to arm you, baby. You first, Holy Spirit. Watch this, everybody. Watch this. Whenever I say, you know, when somebody's going to walk in the door, you open the door for them, you say, you you first. Well, I want you to wear this wristband so you always be reminded, you first, Holy Spirit, in everything, before you say it. If you can't say it with, the holy, with God's blessing and saying, you first saw the Holy Spirit, you don't say it. Before you text it or type it or put it on social media, you first, Holy Spirit. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message.